Blog Talk Radio. Lucis Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill, presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now here's your host, Robert Anderson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Inner Sight. Our topic today is karma, part three. And here's a thought from Christmas Humphreys, and we've taken a look at this thought before, but karma seems to be such a complex subject that, it, that it's worth giving you time to absorb this thought. Karma is the expression of the law of equilibrium, and nature is always working to restore that e- equilibrium whenever, through man's acts, it is disturbed. Karma creates nothing, nor does it design. It is man who plans and creates causes, and karmic law adjusts the effects Karma neither rewards nor punishes. It only restores lost harmony. And once again, that's from Christmas Humphreys, his book, Karma and Rebirth. Where does karma come from? That's uh, almost impossible to answer because it's such a complex pattern of um, action and reaction. And it has uh, its complexity in the fact that it may be something that we have inherited from the far distant past if we believe in the law of rebirth and it also uh, is difficult to identify as a source because our own destiny is tied in with the destiny of um, well of everything that is part of our planetary life but especially with the destinies of our family and our people who are closest to us with our group and our nation with the whole of humanity, in fact. So there are these interlinked circles, if you thought of it that way, like the five Olympic rings. Our karma is a series of rings that intersect with the karma and destiny of uh, everyone else. And that, plus the fact that it's so ancient, it's very hard to say where it comes from. But we can say that whatever our life is, whatever is happening to us, whatever state we are in, Our life and the life of everyone is the way it is because of how we have lived our life in the past. Mm -hmm. And that might seem a kind of a bitter pill for people to swallow if their life is difficult and challenged. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they have been bad and have inherited a set of bad circumstances because they are bad people. That isn't the case at all. But life is the way it is because of a series of choices and decisions and actions we set up in the past. And uh, karma is essentially action. It's uh, the law of cause and effect. It's the consequence of what we have chosen, set in motion at some point in the past. And that's why it's said that character is destiny. The kind of person we are, the kind of values and um, 
desires we hold determine our future. So at every point, we're we're determining our karma for the future. Yeah, it's uh, said in the esoteric teachings that um, karma uh, comes from many different experiences in our memory banks. Uh, we all have what they call little memory banks. They're they're little energy centers within our nature, within our bodies, and um, it's there that all the experiences are stored up. And we bring these uh, little memory banks with us with every life. And uh, we are the result of all of our misperceptions and our illusions and glamours, and some of which, as Sarah said, have been uh, acquired in past lives and brought with us when we enter into this life. And (coughs) all of our phobias and fears are, are quite often of that kind of a nature. And sometimes something happens to you, uh, you respond with an action or a word or a thought, and then this action leaves an imprint on your mind that uh, soon becomes the cause for further karma, for further action, either good or bad. And uh, when you become accustomed to behaving and thinking in a certain way, you become conditioned in that way. And um, it, it's like being... It's a little bit like being stuck in a rut in the mud with your car, for example. Um, you get stuck in the mud and the wheel starts spinning and you go deeper and deeper into the mud and all you're doing is spinning your wheels and you're not going anywhere. And um, the only way to get out of this rut is to uh, and to, to adjust your karma is to um, exercise your free will. And it takes a willingness to change, and uh, but you can change and recondition yourself to act with greater wisdom. Another point to keep in mind about karma is that apparently we don't see the effects of all of our accumulated karma at any particular point in any particular lifetime. In other words, there, these karmic uh, inheritances are pieced out by the soul according to circumstances and according to the writings of Alice Bailey, depending on whether one can deal with the effects or the results of the accumulated karma in the particular lifetime. You know how it's said that we're never given a burden greater than what we can bear. Mm -hmm. And I think that means that our karma is divinely determined by ourselves, by our soul, by our higher self, but the effects bear fruit uh, according to our resources, uh, our ability to learn from it, our ability to correct it. It's not um, like a bucket of water over a door that's suddenly dumped mm. on us when we go through yeah. the door. Not like that. Mm. I see. Well, There's another aspect to karma, too, when you when you ask where it comes from that I think is important to consider, and that's the uh, the, the Eastern Sanskrit word dharma, which some of our listeners might have heard. Dharma as I understand it, means, among other things, one's duty. And the fulfilling of one's duty or one's dharma is um, a response, a right response to to karma. Uh, it's what the Buddhists call right conduct. There's the Noble Eightfold Path, and uh, one of the steps on that path is right conduct or right action. That's another definition of Dharma, doing what is in front of one to do because one feels intuitively that it is one's duty, 
one's next step. And one should never try to usurp the duty of another person, even out of a desire to help. You can't live their life for them. You can't fulfill their responsibilities for them. You can only fulfill your own. Now you, it's doing what, what needs to be done. And uh, sometimes what needs to be done is to, to fulfill the purposes of the soul if you can, uh, if you can uh, be sensitive to those purposes and because that, that's what the soul brought you into this life to accomplish. And uh, sometimes it's very obvious, sometimes it isn't. But, you, uh, you look yeah. for it, I think, in your present circumstances, not down yeah. the road or not in a if-only yeah. kind of uh, fantasizing about how different life could be and how much better it could be. You find your dharma and the results of your karma in your present circumstances. Just look around you. Look at the state you're in. Look at the obligations right in front of you awaiting your, your dutiful uh, cooperation. There you find it. Yeah, and, and it's look around and see the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it may not be, a, it may look like a hopeless situation, but maybe you're placed there for a particular reason. So there is an opportunity there that uh, is waiting for you to uh, work it out. I, I'm, I, I can see how people can be very disturbed by karma in a way because I'm sure that there are p- many people who have been harmful and done harmful things to other people. And they feel that they haven't gotten caught or no one has noticed it. But according to what I'm perceiving about the effect and the laws of karma, whether or not society sees you commit the evil or uh, set forth the harmful uh, uh, action towards another person is irrelevant to karma. Karma, am I right about this? Karma will bring you back, bring it back into balance somehow. Is that correct? Or well, yes, uh, karma is the uh, achievement of uh, of a divine balance or equilibrium. And uh, that's the essence of justice. Mm-hmm. Okay, we talked we talked a little bit last time about uh, national, about group karma. Uh, can you say more about this? Well, we I think we touched on um, so a situation we see in the world today where whole groups of people are caught up in a kind of unfinished karma. For example, in the former Yugoslavia the terrible war between the different groups there that goes back to injustices, perceived injustices Mm -hmm. on all sides, maybe 500 years ago or more. And in Ireland um, and in the Middle East, uh, there is this, this national karma that we are all swept up in as members of our nations because we're not little islands unto ourselves. And um, it's the kind of thing that demagogues make with, mm. play upon this uh, sense of group injustice, group uh, vengeance that leads to some of the real evils in the world. Yeah, I think uh, one good example of group karma would be, uh, well, the experience of World War II. Um, there were millions and millions of people that, um, both as mil- in the military and civilians, that gave their lives for a very worthy cause there and they were all swept up into this great vortex of forces between uh, good and evil and um, that was a a very um, dramatic uh, demonstration of how a whole group of people could work together and uh, to to readjust and bring back into balance the uh, good forces in the world which were out of balance 
and uh, there was a tremendous group cooperation there. People weren't aware of what they were doing, of, of all of this, but on the inner planes, I mean, you had uh, millions of souls making that transition all at once in a period of uh, six or eight years, and th that's quite a dramatic uh, uh, working out of, of a karmic, uh, bringing back the world into balance. And for those people who just tuned in, you're listening to Intersight. Intersight is sponsored by Lucy's Trust, which is an international organization, and we're into philosophy, exploring life together, and uh, I hope that you enjoy the uh, depths of conversation that we have. But our, all of our dialogue emanates from the works of Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey, around the turn of the 20th century, wrote approximately 24 volumes of literature. And this discussion is on karma, and our discussion is taken from the literature of Alice Bailey. And so if you'd like to research it further, take a look at Alice Bailey, what she has to say about karma, and so many other aspects of life, you're certainly welcome to uh, give us a call at one eight six six. 695-8247. Once again, it's 1-866-695-8247. And one of the books in particular uh, that you might like as far as taking a look, another look at karma, what it's all about, how it pertains to your life and the lives of those that you love, uh, you might look at one of our books called Ponder on This. Once again, it's called Ponder on This. And I think you'll enjoy not only reading about karma, but there are, it's a compilation, that particular uh, volume. And there are so many uh, themes um, that Alice Bailey explores in that particular book. So ponder on this would be a book to, uh, to look at if you want to uh, consider karma and think about it even further. And to order any of our books, our cassette tapes uh, of the radio shows, cassette tapes of uh, some of our books also, and if you'd like a free booklet on containing the Great Invocation, which is the prayer that we say at the end of this show, or a schedule of our meditation me meetings, uh, or what, what I would probably have liked in the beginning when I first uh, began to learn about Lucis Trust was a general package of information um, that explains who we are, what we're all about, um, what we're interested in, and uh, probably the most common question that we get is, are you a religion? No, we're not a religion. Um, but you're certainly welcome to join us. We encourage you to hold on to your religion and um, continue being devoted to it, perhaps as you have been. Uh, in fact, you enrich us when you bring your religious concepts uh, to our organization and share them with us. So once again, uh, to order our books, so you can either give us a call directly if you want to get a discount. If you order all 24 volumes of the Alice Bailey books, uh, you'll get a 10% discount, providing you order them directly from us. Uh, you can also... Purchase them from Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, Borders, and other bookstores. Our website, www.lucistrust.org, and our email is newyork at lucistrust.org. And remember that the work of Lucis Trust, including this program, it's funded entirely by voluntary donations, so we welcome your donations as a means of keeping us on the air. I, I I hear so often uh, people blaming God, and uh, is there any justification to that? Why do people blame God when bad things happen? 
I'm not sure why, but I know I've done it myself in the past. I can remember as a very young person holding God responsible for the war in Vietnam. I cannot explain to you now, 30 years later, why I thought he was responsible for that, since mm -hmm. clearly it was the, uh, the creation of human beings. But remembering that, you can be sympathetic with people who do hold God responsible for their state in life. I suppose they feel that they have no control over their lives and therefore no responsibility for their situation. But if you understand that we are uh, in the present uh, the product of how we have lived our life in the past and that our character is our destiny, and if you believe, as the Ageless Wisdom teaches, that energy follows thought, then you have to look at yourself and your circumstances and say, well, I made this and I can make it better mm -hmm. if I so choose. Um, there's there's really no way out of this this need to take responsibility for one's fate and circumstance once you realize that life is is made up of energies and forces that we wield according to our intentions and our desires. Yeah, you often hear this uh, expression of people blaming God for uh, in, in case of natural disasters like tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes and times like that when their house gets destroyed and their loved ones are killed perhaps and why me and is the question and why why now and uh, why is this happening to me and mm -hmm. uh, there's no real good answer to that because um, this whole question of karma is so deep and uh, <coughs> um, why do we live in a certain place in the world, and uh, why do we live and build our houses on uh, on faults, on uh, earthquake faults, and uh, why do we build uh, our houses near rivers that are always flooding? Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, there are choices here that uh, one can make. So... Um, I don't know if that really answers the, the question, but... It, uh, it does in part, but I think it also suggests that we're part of a, uh, a great mystery that we really can't uh, fully plumb. Your saying, why me, reminded me of a comment of a friend of mine uh, who was listening to her sister go on and on with the litany of complaints about bad things that had happened to her. And she kept saying, why me? Why me? And finally, my friend Rosemary said, well, Abigail, why not you? <laughs> and in a way, it's true. Why not you? Who, who would you wish it on? Your, your, your bad circumstances, would you rather that they happen to your neighbor or to someone else? We're all a part of this, and we're all in it together, and we don't really know why this um, accumulated... Um, uh, an interconnected karma has um, has uh, developed the way it has, but we human beings are are related to each other and interrelated, and we make impacts on each other. And I think karma really brings that home that we share a common fate. Mm -hmm. We go down together, or we survive together. And I find that evokes a sense of hope in me because it means we can help. Yeah. And we can serve others. And um, so it's a great mystery. I think Dale and I are really not making a lot of headway on this question. <laughs> I don't know. No, but it, it goes back to this 
thing about opportunity too. I mean, mm. we, we tend to see the tragedy in these, uh, these yeah. disastrous happenings, but maybe there's the an opportunity that uh, God, in His greater wisdom, is trying to uh, get us to see and trying to work out here. So, I mean, we have to kind of look at this question that way too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let me see that I, uh, if I've assimilated it, is it correct? And am I assuming that these people that you're speaking about who uh, experience good or bad karma, that it's really the result of their own past actions, uh, the energies that they set forth, and uh, perhaps karma, uh, part of karma is a learning experience where uh, we get straightened out, so to speak, about a particular wrong perception. Is that the gist of what we're talking about, too? Well, in a sense it is, and I think we should point out that we're all in the process of straightening ourselves out. We're all in the process of correcting for some imbalance as a result of past choices and actions. I don't think any of us is in a position to point the finger at someone else. It's it's part of being human that we're mm-hmm. works in progress. And uh, the, the, the idea of karma, or the principle of karma, as I understand it, is the restoration of a perfect equilibrium. Mm-hmm. And until we have achieved that spiritual perfection, we're not going to find a non-karmic um, situation. I see. Okay. The only thing that disturbs me in my understanding of karma is uh, the idea that uh, does it really does karma does it negate the freedom of choice? No, really, it has everything to do with freedom of choice because if we think of karma as something that we're constantly creating by our choices, our values, our desires, our intentions, uh, we realize that uh, it's it's all up to us and our our free will. The, the future karma that we're creating. It means that we have to watch our willfulness. Every time we, so to speak, get a bee in our bonnet and really go after something, we should be very aware and observant of our motives for doing so because we are no doubt generating new karma. Every time we have this uh, powerful conviction of our rightness and our certainty, we should be very observant and very watchful. Sometimes I think it's better to be in a perpetual state of self-doubt because then you're questioning yourself, you're examining your motives. Um, you do have the freedom of choice at all times. And this is the whole the whole meaning behind, well, one of the meanings behind the great Hindu text, the Bhagavad Gita. There are many layers of meaning to the Bhagavad Gita, and I certainly am not able to plumb them all. But it's the story of a representative of humanity named Arjuna and his conversations with Krishna, the Lord, at a time of great warfare in ancient India when the two sides uh, that Arjuna was observing were engaged in war, and he related to them both, and he felt absolutely hamstrung uh, about how to make a choice. He didn't know where or with whom to fight. He didn't know what was the right choice, what was the right action. He could see wrong consequences as a result of any decision he might make. And he really wanted to sit on the fence and not do anything. That's not the response to karma either. We do have to choose and we have to make our choices freely and take responsibility for them. And Krishna, in the Bhagavad Gita, told him, you must fight. You must make a choice. Karma is action, and we have to make choices and live through the fruits of our action. But 
our attitude about our actions and choices is where all the difference comes in, where we have the freedom. Because if we learn to be dispassionate and detached from the fruits of our actions and simply make our choices because it's the highest right we know, the highest and greatest good, then likely that will negate karma. As Krishna said to Arjuna, your business is with action only, never with its fruits. And he told Arjuna that there is a skill in in action that teaches us about karma. Not only is there action in inaction, but there's inaction in action. And this might relate to martial arts, where sometimes inaction has its own action. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, and, and related to that is, uh, as you said, um, it takes free will. Otherwise, Arjuna couldn't sit on the fence. He couldn't. Uh, he had to. He couldn't sit still. He had to exercise his will here mm-hmm. in order to move forward, and that is the real key, I think. Uh, where you have a weak will, then you're just going to sit there and spin your wheels, as I was saying earlier, and you're going to dig deeper and deeper and repeat the same patterns over and over again. But it takes the strength of will to um, uh, set a different course and to take command of the situation and and make the right choices to uh, move yourself along on uh, on the path of enlightenment. And also to remember that the greatest value is the inner underlying reality of pure spirit and to not be overwhelmed or over-identified with what's happening on the outer level of form. That was Arjuna's problem, that he was looking only at the consequences as they would affect people and things on the outer level of life, causing suffering and hardship. And he lost sight of the inner spiritual reality, which is where our real attention should be given Krishna told him when he could remember to focus on the inner reality, then he could fight and fight rightly because he would be calling upon the soul's resources, the inner warrior. And when the um, it said that when the um, um, when the soul influence begins to make an impression on the uh, um, outer personality, it is uh, then that um, karma becomes uh, neutralized because uh, the, the, um, that is indicative that one is on the path of enlightenment and one can begin to see cause and effect more directly in their lives and that's the beginning of wisdom uh, on the path. Maybe also we should add that there are different types of karma and this freedom of choice has uh, an effect on that. There's karma that's generated out of just deep ignorance of being dense, and certainly all of us can identify with that. It's corrected by experience and by greater knowledge. And then there's the karma of uh, a materialistic focus in in life for too long a period of time, and that's corrected by the development of the spiritual consciousness. But then there's the karma when people deliberately willfully choose to harm and to selfishly uh, serve the separated self, knowing full well that it will cause pain to others. That's the worst kind of karma. And we have the freedom of choice to avoid all of them. Well, um, 
Speaking of freedom of choice, we choose to stay on the air and keep on giving you these philosophical shows every week, but we must remember that this show is funded by the generous donations of our listeners, and we need and welcome your support. In closing, we invite you to ponder on this thought. Goodwill is the touchstone that will transform the world. Goodwill is love in action. It is the energy that draws us together in right relationship. There is a world prayer called the Great Invocation. It's a call for light and love and goodwill to flow into the world and into our hearts. Let's listen for a moment to these powerful words. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. It's time for some straight talk. Using your phone, yeah, the one right in your hand, could cost up to 30% less every month. Got your attention, don't I? With Straight Talk's Keep Your Own Phone SIM Kit, you can keep that phone, your same 4G LTE network and number, but pay less. That's more money in your pocket. The ultimate unlimited plan is just 55 bucks a month. Straight Talk Wireless. Only at Walmart. Savings may vary. Video typically streams at DVD quality. A month equals 30 days. Refer to the latest terms and conditions of service at straighttalk.com. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Gotta get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.